Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Church, we need to savor the sweet presence of the Lord. It's a rare thing in this day and time in which we live. So, when God's presence is with us, we should, we should rejoice in that. I'd like for you to open your Bibles Uh, to the book of James, to chapter 5. James, chapter 5. Today we will start looking at this last chapter in this wonderful and practical book of James. And one of the things that we've learned all the way through this study We began in chapter 1, verse 1, now we're in chapter 5. One of the things we've learned is this, and that is this particular book is far more practical than theological. This is uh, a little book, sometimes people hardly take notice to it, but it is a little book that gives us as followers of Jesus A list of do's and don'ts. Things that we should do, things that we shouldn't do. Starts and stops. What we should start doing, what we should stop doing. And that's what we've done all the way through this study is we have actually made a list. We've compiled a list of things that we should do and not do. Let me refresh your memory. We'll go all the way back to the beginning no matter what you're going through. And boy, we've been singing about that this morning. No matter what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Count it all joy. If you're truly a child of God, even the bad negative things you're going through, God's up to something good. God is a faithful God. And so count it all joy. I tell you, your world will begin to change when you start counting it all joy. Uh, You'll mess the devil up when you start rejoicing even at his attack. Yeah, he won't understand that. Uh, Another thing we learned is that we're to ask God for wisdom. We're to do it daily. We're to do it every day, many times a day. Just keep asking God, what should I do in this situation? And then we learn that we should boast in the Lord. By the way, we've been doing that for about an hour now, haven't we? Boasting in the Lord. Not in man, not in our ability, uh, not in our accomplishments, but the fact that we are a needy people And we have found the Savior. Or better yet, He has found us. And we are boasting in the Lord. That's one of the things that we've learned. Here's something else we've learned in the book of James. And that is, stop losing your temper. When you lose your temper, you're messing things up. Every time. Stop justifying yourself when you lose your temper. The Bible says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. It just does not. Here's something else we learned in the book of James. We, we learned that we are not to just be hearers of the Word of God, but we are to be doers of the Word of God. We're to read it. We're not just to 
to read it and forget it. We're to be doers of the Word. We're to actually do what God's Word says do. When you come and hear somebody preach the Word, you do it. You walk it out. You flesh it out. And then another thing we learned is this. Stop showing partiality and favoritism. The Bible says God's no respecter of persons. That God loved us while we were still in our sins. And friends, you can mark it down. If God loved you while you were still in your sins, He loves those who are still in their sins right now. And He wants to save them and change them, and He wants you to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. So, so stop showing favoritism and partiality. Another thing we learned is stop trusting dead faith. I, this one scares me a lot. I just have to tell you. There is a dead counterfeit faith that is prevalent in America today. And it's not real genuine faith. It's not biblical faith. And in the end, it will not save you. And there are a lot of people who have faith, but they have the wrong kind of faith. It's dead faith. It doesn't accomplish anything. It's dangerous and it's deadly. Don't trust in dead faith. Make sure your faith is, is genuine. And this is one that we probably needed to set up camp on. One of the things that James says is, bridle your tongue. It says you can't tame your tongue. There will never come a time in your life when you can trust yourself to say the right thing or to not say something. You have to bridle your tongue. You have to bring it under control. Every day of your life, you have to bridle your tongue. Stop saying dumb, stupid things that hurt other people and mess up your own witness and testimony. And then we learn this. We're to walk in heavenly wisdom. There are two types of wisdom in this world. There's the wisdom of the world, the thinking of the world, how the world thinks, but then there is the wisdom of God. And you and I as Christians, when we invited Jesus into our hearts, we gave up the ways of the world. And we're to walk according to the wisdom of God, the wisdom of heaven. And then another one that we learned is this, and that is that we need to humble ourselves before God and we need to humble ourselves before men. You and I have absolutely nothing to be proud of. Pride has no place in the life of a Christian. We owe everything to Him. And then, one that I think the church of Jesus Christ needs today, and I want to brag on you a little bit. If this is going on in our church, I certainly don't know about it. But, but James says, stop judging and criticizing one another. God doesn't like it when we're critical and judgmental of one another. By the way, God doesn't like it when we take His job. And judging is His job. So don't judge one another. We all have feet of clay. We all make mistakes. We all blow it from time to time. So we need one another. We need to pray for one another and help one another, not criticize one another and judge one another. And then last week, we looked at this. Stop bragging. Stop bragging. You have absolutely nothing to brag about and everything to be thankful for. Because every accomplishment, everything you and I have in our lives came to us by way of a sovereign God who loved us and gave us the mind, the talents, the ability to do those things. Now, today we will add one more to that list. And I have to tell you that this is a big one. It really is. It's something that we all need and it's something that we need to be doing for the rest of our lives. You see, as, as James comes to the last chapter, 
he does something that's a little bit strange. And that is, he begins for the first time, just for a little while, to speak to those who are not Christians at all. He he addresses his remarks to the rich, corrupt oppressors of mankind. Those who are living in pleasure, those who are living in luxury, and they're doing it at the expense of people around them. They are cheating and mistreating and stepping on people and hurting people so that they can live in wealth and luxury. And James has some real stern and strong words of condemnation for them. First of all, we'll look at what he says, and then we'll look at why he says it. James 5, 1 through 6, we'll read that first, and then we'll move on through the text. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Wow. I've been reading the Bible for a long time. But, but every now and then I read a passage like this, and I have to tell you, friends, I'm still shocked at how the Bible can get in your face and be so abrasive and so straightforward. I'm telling you that that this is strong language, isn't it? How would you like for somebody to talk to you that way? I wouldn't. This is what James is saying. Don't miss it. James is saying, "You rich people, you listen to me. You should be weeping. You should be mourning. You should be howling. That means crying out." He says, "You don't have a clue what you're about to experience." All of your riches, all of your wealth, all of your silver, all of your gold, it is corroded, it is corrupt. It will be a witness and a testimony against you soon. And then he says, the Lord of Sabaoth, that means the God of the armies of heaven, is watching you and he is listening. And he knows every time you cheated somebody, he knows every time you mistreated somebody, He knows every time you stepped on somebody. He knows every time you messed up somebody else's life so that you can get ahead. And then this is what he says. He says, you don't know it, but you are like animals being fattened for the day of slaughter. Whoa. That's pretty rough, isn't it? That'll make you tremble. You're like animals being fattened for the day of slaughter. Now, I want to make a distinction before I move on. And this is real simple. And that is that the Bible gives no prohibition against Christians being wealthy or rich. It doesn't. You can study it. 
I can share several passages of Scripture with you. What the Bible does teach us is this. If a Christian is wealthy or rich, they can't get to that place by abusing and hurting and mistreating other people. And the New Testament gives clear direction in 1 Timothy 6.18. It gives clear direction that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are rich in this world, that you have to be generous in your giving, you have to be generous in good works, you have to be generous in sharing with other people. You see, the Bible doesn't say you and I can't be wealthy. It just says if you are, you better be wealthy in giving and in sharing and in helping other people. Listen, here's something to remember. When a wicked man is wealthy, the people around him are oppressed. When a righteous man is wealthy, the people around him are blessed. That's the difference. And by the way, when a righteous man is wealthy, it's not just his immediate family that's blessed. It's people all around him are blessed. When the wicked are wealthy, people are oppressed. When the righteous are wealthy, people uh, are blessed. One oppresses, the other blesses. And so, James is addressing the wicked wealthy, not the righteous wealthy. So understand that. That's very important. Now, why? Now, those of you who have been with me all through this study, you should be asking this question right now. Why? Why does, why does James change his focus all of a sudden? Why does he go off script, as it were? From chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to this point, he's been talking to Christians, and now, for these six verses, he addresses the wicked wealthy. Why does he do that? Why does he change his focus? Well, the answer to that question will introduce us to this thing that you and I need to be doing for the rest of our lives. You see, in addressing the wicked wealthy, he was preparing these early Christians to get a clear word from God that they would need for the rest of their lives and that you and I need for the rest of our lives. Here it is. Let's pick up in verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Now, do you understand when you read therefore in the Bible, you know what that means? He, for six verses, he's talked about the wicked wealthy, and then he says, therefore, based on what I've shared with you, based on what I've told you, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. You know what James is saying? James prefaced his remarks to the Christians about being patient with the truth about what will happen to the wicked wealthy. And he's saying to them, when it comes to the rich and the wicked, you do not want what they have. You do not want to envy them. They are not to be envied. They are to be pitied. Their story will end in the greatest of all tragedies. They may be living in the lap of luxury right now. But you do not want to face what they're about to face. That's what James is saying. James is saying, this is true. They are wicked. They are deceived. They are hurting people. They are 
fattening themselves, as it were, for the day of slaughter. But he says, but you, brethren, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Be strong. Persevere. That's what we're adding to our list. This is what God wants you to do. It's what God wants me to do. He wants us to be patient and He wants us to persevere. And He wants us to keep doing that until the day that our Lord returns. Be patient. Be strong. Persevere. Wait for the righteous riches that come from above. That will come to us on that day. Now... This is something you and I should be doing for the rest of our lives. We should be patient. We should be persevering. We should be waiting on what God has for us. Now, look at verse 7 through 12. We'll read that very quickly. Therefore, be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, My brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Friends, the passage of Scripture very simply tells us that God wants us to be patient. He wants us to persevere. Do you know what the word patience means? It means the capacity to accept and tolerate delay, trouble, and suffering without getting angry or upset. Oh my goodness. That's what God wants out of us. Are you a patient person? Can you endure hardship? Pain, sorrow, tragedy, difficulties? And hold on to your faith and not complain? That's pretty tough, isn't it? But that's what we're supposed to do. By the way, James gives illustrations here. He says, just like the farmer works and labors and suffers, but he does that because he's waiting patiently for the precious fruit that the earth will give in time. And he says, we as Christians are to be like that. Every one of us, we're to be like that. We are to be patient, we're to work, we're to serve God, not just for what we get right now, but we should do that waiting for the precious promises in God's Word. It's what you and I are to be waiting for. And then he gives the illustration of Job. He says, in the end, Job found out that God was very compassionate and He was very merciful. But if you go back and read the book of Job, you will find out he went through unimaginable suffering and tragedy before he found out how merciful and compassionate God was. So so you see, as you read this, this is the conclusion you you have to come to. That God does not want us to envy the rich. He does not want us to, to complain to one another. He does not want us to swear and take oaths. 
He wants us to be patient. He wants us to persevere. He wants us to pursue Him. And He wants us to serve Him faithfully. Now what I'm about to share with you, you're not going to like. But God didn't call me to just preach what you like. I can tell you, everyone here needs what I'm about to say. Like it or not, this is the truth. When the Bible tells us that we have to be patient and we have to persevere, that is the biblical way of saying to us, you will go through many trials and tribulations in this lifetime. You will go through it. I don't care how much you love Jesus. I don't care how dedicated you are. Even if you're a sold out, dedicated child of God, you will go through bad times. You'll go through very bad times. You will go through times when you will need to be patient. When you will need to persevere. When you will need to suffer and not complain. Oh, friends, that's the truth. That's not what we like to hear, but it is the truth. I heard somebody say one time, if you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. But I got something better for you, friend. If you reach the end of your rope, hold on to your faith. Know what God's Word says. Be patient. Persevere. Stay the course. Don't give up. God's still on His throne. And when you are patient in the middle of trials and tribulation, you're obeying Scripture. You're doing what God wants you to do. You're holding on to your faith. You don't want to be like the guy that said, Lord, I want patience and I want it right now. No. God wants you to have patience, but the kind of patience where you can take a licking and keep on ticking. Where you just keep on going. You don't quit. I mean, you're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through bad times. You're going to go through, and by the way, you, that's going to happen on an ongoing basis in your life. Now, there, perhaps there's somebody here today and you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. I'm confused, Pastor. You have really confused me this morning. I'm confused. I was under the impression that if I give my heart to Jesus and I start walking with the Lord, that everything will be alright in my life. And my problems will be behind me. You've been listening to too many TV preachers. You've been listening to too many preachers who are telling you what you want to hear, not what God's Word says. That's not what the Word of God says. That was like the most pitiful clap. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that we must suffer with Him. That's what it says. It says if we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. That's what it says. 
You want to reign with Christ? Then you have to suffer with Him. You have to identify with Him. You have to adopt His ways, His lifestyle, His principles, His standards. And that goes against the grain of the world. If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. On one occasion, the great Apostle Paul said, We shall through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. You want to get there? If I ask you, how many of you want to go to heaven? Everybody's going to raise their hand. But the Bible says you have to go through much tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus, Jesus made it clear. He said, if the world hated me, it will hate you. That's the truth. How is it that we read the Scriptures and study them and preach the Scriptures and sing about them so much and we leave some of this stuff out? It, it, if the world hated me, it will hate you. D Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Now we've romanticized the cross today. I wear a cross around my neck. We gave crosses away today. I love the cross. But friends, don't forget this. When Jesus spoke those words, He that will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was saying, you have to embrace the fact that you will suffer and you may even be crucified for the faith. See, that's, that's what the Scripture says. Oh, friends, are, are you going through a hard time right now? Are you going through a difficult time in your life? Are you suffering? Are you struggling? Are you a child of God who's up against something and you don't have a clue how you're going to get through it? Well, friends, you know what the Bible says about that? By the way, the Bible does not say that you've lost your faith when that happens. Next time somebody walks up to you and and says, if you had faith, you wouldn't be going through that. You might want to give them a Bible because they've probably never read one. They've just heard what somebody else has said. And that's ridiculous. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you're going through difficulty, when you're going through a trial, a tribulation, a hardship in your life, when you're going through something like that, this is what the Bible said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Oh, child of God, I want to tell you this morning, it's not strange or unusual that you're going through a hard time right now. That's not strange or unusual. It's, it's just a part of what we do. It's a part of what we do. Are you going through hell right now? That's part of what we do. By the way, I... I don't know where I heard this years ago. I think Brother Charles shared it with me. If you're going through hell, don't stop. One more. If you're catching hell right now, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, if you're catching hell, if you're, if you're in the furnace right now, Understand, that's not strange. You haven't lost your faith. You, this is all normal. It's all natural. It's a part of the, of the Christian life. I want to be honest with you. I'd be more worried about you this morning if you told me you didn't have any trials and tribulations. I really would. 
What that reminds me of is that what I heard somebody say this, if you haven't run into Satan lately, it may be because you're moving in the same direction he's moving in. That hurts, doesn't it? Put that on Facebook. <laughs> there will be times when you will have to say, no, I can't do that. No, I'm a child of God. No, my father wouldn't be pleased with me doing that. Or saying that. I can't move in that direction. I am a child of the King. And friends, when you start living that way, it will bring hardship and persecution into your life. The Bible says, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the Scripture says. So child of God, hear me. Be patient. Persevere. That's what James is saying. Be patient and persevere. In the end, it will be worth it all. How long? Now, we have this idea, okay, if I, I'm going to be patient for, you know, like a week, and then God's going to bless me, and I'm going to have everything I need. No. How long? How long do you have to be patient? How long do you have to persevere? Tell me. Until Jesus comes back. That's when you do it, when Jesus comes back. Oh, then it'll be worth it all. One of my favorite stories as a young preacher, and I never forgot this story. It was about an elderly couple who served their entire lives as missionaries in Africa. And uh, they had gotten old and they needed to come back to the United States. This was many years ago. And they boarded a, a ship headed for the United States. And they'd put like 40 or 50 years in in the mission fields. And one of the things that they found out when they got on this ship, headed home, was the President of the United States was on that same ship. President Teddy Roosevelt was on that ship. He had been on a, a big game hunt in Africa. He had spent two weeks there. And now he's on his way home. And the whole ship was a buzz. Uh, to this knowledge that the president was on board the ship. And when they, they pulled into the port at New York Harbor, they, uh, they wouldn't let anybody leave the ship until the president and his entourage left. And it was, it was a big deal. And so uh, President uh, Roosevelt and his entourage walked down the gangplank the Marine Band is playing. Crowds are cheering. They're waving flags. This was in the day of patriotism. And, and they were singing. And it was, it was a wonderful thing. But they wouldn't let anybody else on the ship disembark until the president and his whole crew had left. And then, of course, they watched it from the ship. And it was, it was amazing. But then after all the commotion was over and everybody was gone, the old missionary and his wife got off the ship. Not one person was there to meet them. Not one person was there to congratulate them. Not one person was there to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And they went to a nearby hotel room and, and the missionary was so discouraged. 
And he even told his wife, he said, I, I can't believe this. The president plays for two weeks. He goes on a, a pleasure trip. And he gets this grand and glorious welcome when he comes back home. And we come back home and nobody even knows we're here. I'm heartbroken. And his wife gave him the same advice she always gave him. She said, why don't you talk to the Lord about this? God has an answer for you. He went into a private room, got on his knees, and he asked the Lord. He said, Lord, how is it? How does the president get such a grand welcome when he comes back? How does that happen? And when I come home, nothing, no appreciation, nothing at all. It's just not fair. And this missionary said, and the story was written about what God spoke to him. This missionary said that God said, child, you don't understand. You're not home yet. This world is not your home. Child of God, I know you may be going through a hard time, but I'm calling on you as your pastor, sharing with you the truth of God's Word. Be patient. Endure hardship if you have to. Persevere. You're not home yet. And one of these days when you get home, it'll be worth it all. Amen. Now, just in case there's somebody here today who's not a believer, I want to, I actually, I was thinking about this this morning, I just busted out laughing. I want to invite you to come to Christ. Amen. And, and the reason I laughed is I was thinking, somebody's going to be sitting out there and they're going to say, Really? You've told me I've got to go through suffering and persecution and rejection and people are going to hate me and they're going to despise me and it's never going to let up until Jesus returns. Really? You want me to come and give my life to Christ? Yes. And do you know why I want to invite you to come to Christ? Because it's the right thing to do. Because it's what God wants you to do. It's what God created you for. He created you to have fellowship with Him. Oh, listen, don't let the enemy distract you right now. It's what He created you for. He created you to have fellowship with Him. He created you to be a warrior. He created you to make the right choice to stand with good and not evil. Oh, and if you invite Jesus into your heart, I cannot tell you this morning that everything will be fine in your life. In fact, hold on. I bet you've never heard this before. But it's possible you could invite Jesus into your life and things could get a lot worse in your life than they are right now. That's the truth. But I can tell you if you invite Jesus into your heart, even though there will never be peace in this world around you, you'll have peace in your heart. <laughs> wow! You'll have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll have somebody who will listen to you when you pray. And he will answer your prayers. Not all of them. 
By the way, thank God He doesn't answer all of our prayers. <laughs> and some of those that He does answer, He won't answer them the way you want Him to. But He's God and He knows best. There will be times, there will be glimpses, there will be moments of the miraculous in your life. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, but you will experience some supernatural things along the journey. There will be times He'll make a way where there is no way. There will be times that His presence and power will be upon your life. Times when the Holy Spirit will comfort you and encourage you and build you up. Times when God will heal you and put you back on your feet. Times that He will reveal things to you. He will reveal things to you and you won't even know how you know. You'll just know that you know that somehow God has spoken to you. Oh, oh, friends. There, there will be times when you will sense that God is using you. And, and, and God will lead you to do things and say things. And, and by the way, I don't care what anybody says, you can't change the world. Don't let anybody tell you that. By the way, Jesus didn't change the world, did He? He changed people in the world, but He didn't change the world. Because people still have a choice. God, you're not going to change the world, but I want to tell you that if you give your heart to Christ, God will begin to use you to change some things in the world. You'll make a difference in the world. And friends, I can tell you this. If you give your heart and life to Christ, I can't tell you things are going to get any better or you're going to live on easy street. But I can tell you if you'll give your heart to Christ and if you will put your faith in Him, be patient and persevere, in the end, it'll be worth it all. When you get home, it'll be worth it all. Father in Jesus. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.